0: Greetings from St Bride's Church Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're able to join us for this act of worship. St Bride's is famous for its ministry to journalists, and behind me here you can see our journalists' commemorative altar. We are aware, as never before, of the dangers that those in the industry face when bringing us the news, so our journalists, and all who work in the media, are very much in our thoughts and prayers at this time. However, we are of course here for all of you, journalists and everyone else. Do please leave us a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these services, uh, you'll find details of how to do so in the accompanying text. But now may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. welcome you very warmly to St Bride's to our service of choral Evensong on this the Feast of Pentecost. We're delighted that you are able to join us online for this service. Beloved, we are come together in the presence of Almighty God and of the whole company of heaven to offer unto him through our Lord Jesus Christ our worship and praise and thanksgiving to make confession of our sins, to pray as well for others as for ourselves, that we may know more truly the greatness of God's love and show forth in our lives the fruits of his grace, and to ask on behalf of all men such things as their well-being doth require. Wherefore, let us kneel now and humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Let us pray. To the glory of thy holy name. Amen. May the almighty and merciful Lord grant unto you pardon and remission of all your sins, time for amendment of life, and the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: The Old Testament lesson is written in the book of Exodus, chapter 33, beginning at the seventh verse. Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that every one which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. And it came to pass, when Moses went out unto the tabernacle, that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped, every man in his tent door. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me, and live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: The New Testament lesson is written in the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter three, beginning at the fourth verse. Such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day When Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory. Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
3: Thanks.
4: I always wanted to be a writer. My mother would take me each day to the library in Northolt where I grew up and we'd read and when we got home I'd read some more. I always had my head in a book. and I always felt there was a kind of magic to stories. I still think there's a magic to stories. My teachers at secondary school were followers of FR Levis, the great literary and cultural critic and they believed, as I still do, that great stories with a moral basis and wisdom help us to become better people. Yes, I believe that is true. I was very fortunate really because I actually became a writer and what I loved, what I love about it is when it's just right, when I'm on form, I'm in the zone, the words flow out of me, almost despite myself. Great writing is like great speaking. You can hear it. The key always is to find your voice, and when you find your voice, anything is possible. Which brings us to Pentecost and Peter and the making of the first great leaders of the Church of God, post-Jesus, after his ascension. Peter was an unlikely candidate for being a great speaker, let alone leader. He was uneducated, he was a fisherman, and he was prone to some major, major gaffes. Up on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he would have been advised to keep quiet and take it all in, he blurted out some embarrassing nonsense, filling an awkward silence because he himself felt awkward in that place. Perhaps we've all done that, struggled to find the right words or know when to have no words at all. At one point, he irritates Jesus with his words so much that he's on the end of that immortal line. Get behind me, Satan. It's probably no coincidence that Peter lacked confidence. And one thing is clear from the Gospels is that Peter always wanted to be liked. So let's look at the reading, let's dissect it and see how the Holy Spirit takes some very unpromising material and reshapes it, uses it well. The context is this, the followers have gathered together at the great festival of Pentecost and something very dramatic has happened. A rushing wind has filled the room, tongues of fire, and the disciples are speaking in odd sounds which then can be interpreted and heard in different languages. But the outsiders who see the results aren't convinced. They mock. They say it's a result of drunkenness. Now this is a pivotal moment in the church. Had Peter got this wrong now, had he not known how to respond to it, where would the church be? What words were needed? Because mockery is harder to deal with than outright hostility. As an aside, I remember a similar moment, and I put this down to the Holy Spirit as well, when I was studying at Oxford. My tutor was Alastair McGrath and he was doing a session at church in central office on Richard Dawkins, open to all. To our surprise, hundreds and hundreds showed up. It was an electric atmosphere. At the back sat a group of undergraduates who had come to mock. They kept laughing out loud and making gestures. It was embarrassing. And it was then that the gentle Don, Alistair, paused. He looked at them and he raised his voice. And I remember the words exactly. He said, you may mock me, but do not mock my God. That will have a resonance when we read about Peter's words now. Peter, we hear, stood up and raised his voice. This is the beginning of his journey to fluency, to authority. He orders the crowd, listen to me. He has a new refreshing directness about him, the fluff as it were, his his mental um, cloud has blown away and there he is, utterly clear. Of course they aren't drunk, he says, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. He mocks the mockers, just the right thing, a razor sharp retort. Then he quotes a source of great power, just the right insight, at just the right time. Joel, the prophet. So it isn't just opinion, it is backed up with something that has real authority. Joel forecast that God would one day pour out his spirit And the young would see visions and the old dream again of what might be possible. Stirring stuff. And then the summary. God is coming. Call on him and be saved. To me, that message is as relevant now as it was then. Of course, we moderns, us, might need some more context. Perhaps we have more questions. What is God like, we might ask, before we take that step. How do we call on him? What is it to be saved and what are we saved from and into what? But at this Pentecost that we read about, the Holy Spirit did something that propelled the church. He gave its leader a voice, an authentic voice, that was right for that moment in time. And that's surely a challenge, a prophetic challenge if you like, for our church at this time. How might we articulate? God is coming, call on him. There are, of course, precedents that we can learn from. The Holy Spirit, it seems to me, is always intervening and helping people to be creative, to write and to communicate. Cadmon was a monk and rather like Peter, he was far from eloquent. His job was to look after the animals. And he far preferred their company to the company of human beings. And then one night he had a dream. And after that dream, he found his voice, his poetic voice, his creative voice. It's as though he lived through and out that prophetic word that Peter quotes at Pentecost. He dreamed dreams, he had a vision. And he became the first known English poet, writing in his mother tongue. And his verses, the Venerable Bead said, drew people to God. We still have fragments of them, and they are very, very beautiful. Who would have thought that a cowherd might become a poet? Reading the Pentecost account again, it made me yearn for just such a voice that can speak into our world about the joy and the wonder of God, I think we really need it. Let me finish with a poem that I think sums up as C.S. Lewis called it, the deep magic at the heart of the world. It's by Denise Levertov, from her collection, Breathing the Water, and it's called *Cadman*. All others talked as if talk were a dance. Clodhopper I, with clumsy feet, would break the gliding ring. Early, I learned to hunch myself close by the door. Then, when the talk began, I'd wipe my mouth and wend unnoticed back to the barn to be with the warm beasts dumb among body sounds of the simple ones. I'd see by a twist of of lit rushes and moats, gold moving from shadow to shadow, slow in the wake of deep, untroubled sighs. The cows, munched or stirred, or were still. I was at home and lonely, both in good measure, until the sudden angel affrighted me, light effacing my feeble beam. A forest of torches, feathers of flames, sparks up flying. But the cows, as before, were calm, and nothing was burning, nothing but I. As that hand of fire touched my lips and scorched my tongue, and pulled by my voice into the ring of dance. It's very beautiful, isn't it? And it describes the journey, I think, to eloquence and to voice. The feast of Pentecost calls you and it calls me and all Christians to open our hearts and lives to, as the poet says, life effacing. Our feeble beam, a forest of torches, feathers of flame, sparks up flying. And we're called to let the Holy Spirit's hand of fire touch our own lips, to pull us also into the ring of the dance, the life of the church. This is Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit of God calls us with our own visions to our own Pentecost Experience. Let's, like those first disciples, do, do what Jesus told them and wait in here, in our Jerusalem, for the promise of the Father. Amen. <laughs>
5: Let us pray. Spirit of truth, come to your church. Fill us with love for the Father and the Son. Guide us in holding to your commandments in essence and with integrity. We pray for all those who serve this community of St. Bride. And we pray for the leaders of all your holy churches especially Alison, our rector, Sarah, our bishop, Justin and Stephen, our archbishops. We pray also today for the Anglican Church of Southern Africa, and for the Archbishop of Cape Town, Thabo Magoba, also for the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Iceland and its bishops And in our own diocese, we pray for the Archdeacon of Middlesex, the Venerable Richard Frank, and for his personal assistant. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Spirit of truth, come to the nations. Lead those who govern to build communities in which all may prosper extend our horizons to embrace all people. We pray for the leaders of the nations and especially on this occasion of the Platinum Jubilee we pray for Her Majesty the Queen giving thanks for her service to this country. We pray for her family and all those involved in organising celebrations at this time. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Spirit of truth, come to strengthen the bonds which unite and heal the wounds that divide. Shape us to flourish as heirs of your grace. We continue to pray for the people of Ukraine and Russia we pray for a laying down of arms, for reconstruction and reconciliation. And we continue to pray for journalists in that nation and elsewhere, where they are at risk in the course of their work. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Spirit of truth, come to all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. Set us free to praise you. Refresh us all in your vibrant hope. We remember especially all those in our parish community who are in need at this time, in this city and around the world. And we remember in the silence of our hearts any others known to us. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Spirit of truth, come to the darkness of death. Make light to dawn for those whose hearts are weighed down with grief. Bring to fulfilment salvation for all who call upon your name. Pray especially for all the recently departed Mm -hmm and those whose year's mind comes at this time. Rest eternal grant unto them, O Lord, and let light perpetual shine upon them. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. We commend ourselves and all for whom we have prayed to the mercy and protection of God. Merciful Father, accept accept these these prayers. prayers. For the sake sake of of thy Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ.
3: Christ. Amen. Amen.